Does your marriage involve one spouse working away from home or even traveling a lot? Maybe you're a military family or you commute to another city for work or you do some sort of camp work. Let's talk about some of the challenges and also some ideas to make the most of this situation. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. Uh, we have an exciting episode for you this week. This is episode number 158, and today we're going to be talking about long-distance marriages, what to do and what not to do. Sounds interesting. Hey there, before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we talked about how to beat empty nest syndrome. So it's worth going back and checking out because if it hasn't happened to you yet and you have children, it will. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows. If you're struggling with your marriage, remember we offer sound research-based advice and most of all, we offer hope. Mm-hmm. So let's get into this long-distance marriage thing, Verlinda. Okay. Who knew, but long-distance couples account for over 1 million couples in the USA. Wow. That, that was from a 2003 study. And this number is continuing to grow. There's a few flavors of this. So there's couples where one spouse goes away for weeks or months at a time for work. Mm-hmm. Military couples would actually be an example of this. In Canada, we see a lot of this related to the oil industry where camps are set up in northern areas and husbands go north to work for like three weeks and one sort of a three weeks in, one week out mm-hmm. kind of arrangement. Yeah. Uh, but there are also dual commuter couples where both couples travel away for work or education. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just a phase of life where somebody's trying to finish a degree and they get married. Okay. Yeah. Other times it's a more, appears to be a more permanent situation. And there's couples who live in different geographical locations on a semi-permanent basis due to work or other factors. It's just how it is. Okay. So if you don't fit into any of these groups, though, another definition of a long-distance relationship is simply that the couple are unable to see each other as often as they like due to time or distance constraints. Okay. Could be two doctors living in the same home. Oh. Not long distance, but many but of the same features, right? Constraints, yeah. So how does being in a long-distance relationship affect your marriage? Well, there's mixed results or mixed um, observations from research, but most find that there's no concrete differences between a long distance relationship and a normal relationship in terms of satisfaction or commitment. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So that means that making a long distance relationship work is largely up to the individual couple. So it's largely up to the couple. Yeah. So let's talk about do's and don'ts. Do nots. If you are in a long distance relationship, we'll start with the do not part of things. One research observation is do not have unrealistic expectations. If you are in this situation, you're probably already aware of some of the common challenges that come with it, Mm -hmm. that face you up. Things like the increased financial strain from traveling. So if if there is travel happening and you're paying for that, that could affect your family budget. Okay. Sometimes it's included in the work arrangement by the employer. There could be difficulty forming new relationships and friendships in your separate locations and balancing those with your marriage. Mm. So you're, you have different sets of friends. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I think it'd be even hard to form friends because 
you're married, so you're kind of in the couple category, and yet you're not with your spouse. So hanging around with couples all the time would be kind of funny, but you're not single. and Yeah, yeah, that could be hard too. And But that we, doesn't really affect your marriage, maybe. Well, it can make you feel like you're missing something when everybody else is together, mm. which could lead to sadness or disappointment or resentment, right? Okay. Dissatisfaction okay. of some sort. Okay. So that there's an expectation to be managed there as yeah. well, though, right? So another challenge is the difficulty with assessing each other's emotional state or the state of the relationship. Like it can be harder to, I can see where you're at when I'm like right with you in the same building. Right. But over a phone call, I'm like, was she really mad at me or is she unhappy about something else or, or distracted? Like who, right? Those kinds of things. So these are challenges that can come in. Of course, loneliness, right? Mm -hmm. And, but even that, you know, I kind of think this becomes something that if you're both experiencing loneliness, then can you talk about that loneliness without feeling guilty? Like it's something that one of you is doing to the other person. Oh, this is... Can you share that as something that is a common experience? It's a burden. This is difficult for us. We'll get through this together. Right. It's not something between us that we're fighting about. Yes. Yes. Mm, Okay. So these things relate to expectations when you're apart. Now, what about when you're together? You can have really high expectations on the time you do spend together, expecting that limited time to be like honeymoon-like or ideal. (laughs) Yes. And, and it can be distressing when that doesn't turn out to be the case. Because, uh-huh. for example, if you're remote working, often it's like you're working your tail off while you're there. Yeah. You come home. Exhausted. Ready to crash. And the other spouse is ready for your full and undivided attention. <laughs> right? So expectations. <laughs> yes. Big, 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 big role to play there. Right? Okay. Now, of course, related to that is negativity. So don't be negative if you can. Another study in 2010 found that negative affectivity, which is, these are displays of negative emotions, Mm -hmm. anger, Mm -hmm. sadness, frustration, were linked to relationship instability. No surprises here. This effect was stronger for men than women and also stronger for long distance couples than for geographically close couples. Okay. So those negative emotions can put more pressure on a long distance marriage than the same emotions on a close marriage. Okay. Geographically close marriage. And it might have nothing to do with the relationship. It's the but same it's emotion. Due to the distant. Yeah. It's two different contexts. Okay. Yeah. So a stressful or a dysfunctional long distance relationship can create a negative sense of commitment or like a moral burden that the couple feels where they stay together out of obligation, but they gain no satisfaction or joy from the marriage at all. So this is okay. what? So this is a, a difficulty, a challenge, right? Okay. Now, that you need to overcome. Like, I'm yeah. wondering if you're. The way you're talking here, it made it sound like... It's not going to work, so give up already? Yeah, exactly. This no, is just no, no. a moral burden. No, this is just more like, you know what? This is how you can feel. I'm trying to validate the experience, right? Okay, okay. But in that context, then working on sources of stress and conflict, it's especially important so that you don't mm, begin to see your marriage as, as burden. a burden. Okay. So maybe this is especially useful if you're heading into this, or maybe if you're in this and you need to course correct a little bit, right? Okay. The whole perspective perception thing becomes so important in a long distance relationship. Like, are we treating this like a burden to us, this relationship, our marriage? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or can we both acknowledge that this is not our, our most ideal situation, but we're going to make the most of this because we're in this together. Right. And if negative things do come up, they're stronger or whatever. We feel the effect more because we're in the long distance relationship, yeah. not because our marriage is more distressed. Right. We don't have to assume that it's a fault in the marriage. Yeah. It's yeah. a fault in the in the circumstances. Okay. Yeah. Which kind of puts it outside the coupleship. Now the couple can stand back and look at that mm, together, right? Yeah. So this is, yeah. a, again, very much a perspective thing. 
Now, idealizing the relationship. This one's interesting because... Is this another do not? This is another do not. Do not idealize the relationship. I would say do not over-idealize the relationship. Some research shows that long-distance relationships are actually more stable than geographically close relationships, which Hmm. is funny. This is a study from 2007. I just heard about this like in real life. Did you? Yeah. And how this couple, one of them's moved away for training and they get along better now than they ever have for their whole marriage. Okay. And they, they were talking like... 13, 14 years kind of thing. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, you Anyways, just, that's just anecdotal. notes with what you've heard as okay. we go through this, right? So part of this is because distant couples tend to idealize each other and their relationship. They see each other or they see the relationship sometimes in unrealistically positive terms, like they overblow it. So okay. characteristics like reminiscing on past positives, having an overinflated view of how much you agree and share values, like really kind of romanticizing the whole thing. Okay. Now, on one hand, this can be a good thing as it promotes stability while you're away from each other. So the the geographically distant spouse may idealize because it protects from feeling uncertain about the marriage. Like, I'm not sure how mm-hmm. it really is between mm-hmm. us because I can't see you kind of thing, right? So holding the marriage then in very high regard, perhaps even unrealistically so, may motivate you to stay in, stay committed, and guards against infidelity. Okay. That, that's, so a, that's positive, a positive thing. Yeah. However, this overinflated view of your spouse can make things harder when you reunite. And suddenly, oh, right? Yeah. Suddenly you realize that the relationship isn't as good as you thought. Yeah. And so as such, then the long distance relationship, they often become less stable when they come back into close proximity. Interesting. Okay. So I've heard of this, like when soldiers come home from the war, like all these my dad talked about this way back, back when. And forth. Yeah. And all of a sudden this woman's used to running the home and her kids. Yeah. And all of a sudden this man comes in and. Yes starts taking over and yeah it can be difficult right huh yeah so i think balance is is what matters here because some level of focusing on the positive and reminiscing about good times is healthy it has to be healthy and can give that stability Mm -hmm. um it can add faithfulness to the relationship right but too much can lead to disillusionment when you're reunited okay so i think it's just kind of keeping it in at a healthy spot right that makes sense because we were just saying don't be negative but now we're saying, like, don't go too far the other way either. Don't over-idealize it. Right. You need to be realistic? Yeah. Okay. There, there's a good thought. <laughs> so before we go to the do's about what you should do in a long-distance relationship, we want to tell our listeners about a guide that we have to go with this episode, specifically dealing with long-distance relationship challenges. So this guide takes you through several aspects of your marriage relationship in detail, and it gives you ideas and things to discuss with your spouse so you can really make the most out of what may be a difficult situation. If you are in a long distance relationship, you need to get this guide. It's already available to all of our supporters at OIF.support, our supporters who help keep this show going from week to week, which we so appreciate. Mm -hmm. If you'd like to get this and access to the 50 or more other resources we have created to help marriages, all you need to do is become a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. And we'll just take a quick 60 second break to tell you more about that. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive, and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. 
Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we were talking about things not to do, so let's talk about things to do. Okay. First one up on the list is reduce uncertainty. Okay. I love reducing uncertainty in relationships. It just solves so many things. Mm. I mean, this is advice for every relationship. But physical distance is just one thing that can create uncertainty about the future or the stability of your marriage. So if you have both chosen to do this long distance thing, then you, you can't change that at the moment. So let's assume that that's fixed. Okay. And given that, here's what you need to know. Uncertainty in your marriage leads to higher levels of jealousy and lower levels of trust. Okay. Yeah. Because you're uncertain. Yep. Yeah. Other factors that influence uncertainty include emotional distance, which is like how willing you are to open up to each other. Mm-hmm. Levels of conflict. Mm-hmm. Perceptions of rival partners. Mm-hmm. And the frequency and or quality of sex. So, Influences uncertainty. Okay. Yep. So when physical distance is high, you can actually reduce uncertainty with the relationship by compensating in the other areas, except for the frequency and quality of sex. Well, quality. I'm just saying when you're not together. Right. That would be difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, by discussing these things together and by engaging in these maintenance behaviors, these are positive actions that strengthen the relationship, you can reduce the uncertainty in your marriage. So what I guess what I'm trying to say here is you need to know about this uncertainty thing. It's okay. going to be a troublemaker, but you can be intentional and purposeful about it so that okay. it, it doesn't have as much influence in your marriage. So you can still engage in relationship maintenance behaviors. You can still do things that are good for you guys as a couple, even when you're not together. Okay. Things like open, clear communication, staying in touch, uh, indications of love, thoughtful actions toward each other. It's okay. not going to be okay. the same ones you use at home, like coffee and bed, obviously. That would be a good one. <laughs> no, not, not that all of us do that at home. Either. Okay. So I just totally got busted there. It's funny how you assumed that was for you, though. Mm-hmm. Well, I was just thinking that would be very loving of you. <laughs> how do you know I wasn't thinking the same thing? Because I wasn't. Okay. I was trying to call your bluff on that one, but that, there I am failing again. Let's move on and talk about other people's marriages. Okay. Yes, yes. And uh, note to self, run the coffee machine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where was I, Verlinda? I don't have a clue. We were talking about working on the positive things. Just because you're apart doesn't mean that you need to uh, stop. Uh, working yeah. on the marriage maintenance behaviors that yes. some of us yes, have yes. let go mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. So these behaviors they're apparently critical to the success <laughs> of your marriage <laughs> and and to not getting chewed out as a podcaster. <laughs> so for other people, uh-huh. we carefully go through these on the bonus guide for our supporters. Which, I think we should read the bonus guide. You think so? Hey, you should evidently. <clears throat> But here's here's my next point for Linda, which I think you really need to pay attention to. And that yeah. is focusing on the positive aspects <laughs> of your marriage. So let's keep moving this right along. So for example, okay. planning your next visit home mm-hmm. or even using the increased sense of autonomy for personal growth. So it's like, okay, I'm by myself. How can I make the most of this? Right. So rather than seeing that as a punishment or an unfortunate or a, you know, something done to you or against you mm. or a disadvantage... It's like, hey, you know, how can I make this an opportunity? Like I have more time because I'm not 
Yes. Like putting the kids to bed or whatever. What can yeah. I do instead that would make... Yeah. And that in turn is going to help you bring an even better version of yourself to the marriage. Huh. So focusing on the positive aspects is valuable as well. Mm-hmm. Now, another thing that you can do is plan time together effectively so that when... Uh, coming home. And I think this has to be balanced on the expectation side, like so it accommodates needs for rest or just recovery from the work time or whatever that might look like. But plan your weekends or your visits together so that you get maximum enjoyment out of them. Mm -hmm. You know what? This is even good for people that just work all week. Because I know I get to a Saturday and I'm like, oh, yay, family day. And then you haven't planned anything. Yeah. Yeah. And funny how everything's on me in this episode. Yeah, I know. Funny that. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're, you're like, oh, phew, finally Saturday. Yeah. And then there's a difference in expectations there and it. And no communication. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's stuff in here for local marriages Everybody. as well yeah, as remote exactly. marriages. Exactly. Yeah. But making space for showing affection, for reaffirming your bond in person when you have it, right? Right. So and that might be letting your spouse take a nap. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Amen. Testify. So okay. another thing is talking about the little things, which touches on the communication thing. So couples, you know, if you think about us for Linda, I think one thing we actually do do well. Actually. <laughs> just calling for the positive here. Is we find our sense of joint meaning through regular interactions, just chatting with each other about our day-to-day details of life, keeping yeah. in touch with that. Now, if you're remote, that's harder to do possibly. Okay. So long distance couples need to counteract that by being more intentional about talking through the mundane stuff as well as the big important matters. So I'm not just going to phone you when I'm upset about something that's going wrong, but we're going to talk mm. through the little, we're going to just stay in touch as a family unit. You know huh. what I mean? As a couple. Yeah. You know what? This makes so much sense because I know even a missionary over in Africa Yeah. and she says like people think they have nothing to say, so they don't keep in touch, but it's just the little things of life, like those normal mundane things about what's going on about what's going on that she wants to hear about because she doesn't have the same mundane anymore right? right hers is different hers is different yeah so so in in a marriage relationship that helps you kind of keep more grounded in what's happening in the relationship right yeah or just connected with the other person's yeah. day and i think it counteracts the over idealization piece too oh yeah it's just kind of like, like everything's both, not perfect at, and out there and only I have troubles at home. Is that what you mean? By yeah, it? but just you're both kind of keeping your feet on the ground in terms of what's happening in day to day in each other's lives. Okay. So it's not like she's just sitting around waiting for me to get home or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Thanks for that. <laughs> That's just what I do, honey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, like you said, it really brings your spouse into their world. But I think it also adds some safety and some security in the relationship too, because we're, it's a window into each other's world. So I'm not living mm. a private life that's hidden. Right. It's an, there's an openness here. Yeah. So you, yeah. you kind of might want to over share the mundane stuff that you don't think matters to your spouse may actually, you know, really opening this up could really help. Huh. And I was, so I was corresponding with one of our listeners from Australia on this. Now her husband works away from home. And one of the things that they have found is that being very intentional about maintaining their emotional connection through constant communication, that helps them a lot. Okay. So they, they have to be very purposeful about this. They use face-to-face video calls, they text, they use phone calls. Okay. Now, kind of as a side note for her too, which this isn't something we have elsewhere in what we're saying today, but I thought this was brilliant. Is she emphasized how valuable it was for her to have a good support network at home? Makes perfect sense. Yeah. But that includes networking with other spouses who worked at the same place her husband does. Oh. So 
they have this common bond of all their husbands are there. Yeah, yeah. And that's a connection point for them. And they kind of share news about what's going on there. And, and I think they maybe uh, piece together different parts of the puzzle from what their husbands right, are saying. And they're right. sharing this. But it gives them, they've created a little circle to, to circle around each other. Right, their own community. Yeah. Huh. Which is really cool. Yeah, that is. Now, as we just mentioned, face-to-face communication is another thing to do. And of course, in our day and age, usually with data and good wireless or good internet somehow, this Mm -hmm. is more possible, right? So a study from 2001 looked at 311 individuals in close and in long-distance relationships. They found that long-distance couples who were in regular face-to-face contact, like through Skype or or even by returning home, they were significantly less uncertain about the future of their relationship they were significantly more trusting and they were better at using positive maintenance behaviors like reassuring each other and sharing out tasks. Another study from 2007 showed that face-to-face contact while separated also predicts stability once the couple are reunited. So what is it about the actual like face-to-face? I think, I think it's just that whole, you get that whole added layer of at least a body language in your communication. So you can see. Right. You know, when you, when you only have written, right, you know how hard it is to understand tone and yeah, how yeah. easily it is to miscommunicate by text message, right? Right. Now you do a voice phone call and you get a lot of the tone. Right. But, you know, in other podcasts, we're saying that 80% of communication is nonverbal. Right. So you're, you're still missing that yeah. huge chunk yeah. that comes visually. Right. And like going back to the phone call thing, babe, like when you're distracted on the phone, yeah. I don't know if you're upset with me. Or if you're just distracted, you know what I mean? Like you have to try to make sense of it. Yeah. Yeah. But if you could see me, how would that? Well, then I would know, oh, okay. He's just, you know, I don't a- know what ADHD you're doing. moment, like yeah. knock on the screen here. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it gives you another interpretive layer. Right. Another is a connection. Okay. A stronger connection. Another thing to do is to continue to find meaning. So a uh, study again, and this one from 97, identified two types of commitment found in long distance relationships. One was enthusiastic commitment, mm-hmm. which is levels of satisfaction and happiness with the relationship. And the other was moral commitment, which is investing in the meaning of the relationship and believing it ought to continue. Both okay. good. Only moral commitment was linked to the stability of the relationship in their mm. study. That was the biggest predictor of that. So finding meaning in your relationship before and during long distance periods increases moral commitment, which increases long-term stability. So that is, this is no surprise, right? We had a big discussion about commitment in episode 82. Yeah. Yeah. But we've heard about enthusiasm lately too. We have. But I guess what you're saying is like, like when you're further apart, yeah. you might not have those levels of enthusiasm and yes. happiness and whatever, yeah. but it doesn't mean your marriage is doomed. No. If but, you're committed. And overt about the commitment. Um, I would say. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. You just was hoping I was going to wax eloquent on that enthusiasm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we talked a lot about for uh, do's and don'ts for Linda, but I think there's a third really important piece and that is reuniting. Like, how does it work when you come back home? If you have children, often your wife and children are functioning without the husband. He's not part of the daily family system. When he comes home, that system has to adjust and accommodate knowing that he's going to leave again. That's a challenge. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about a company which has, you know, a handful of employees and a manager. Mm-hmm. And then once a month for a week, somebody comes in and takes over management. Hmm. Right. right. And right. that whole organization has to re- reset itself in and out of that in a constant cycle. Okay. You know what? I know somebody, and she told me this. She said, like, when my 
husband's gone. I'm basically a single mom. Yep. And so for her, yeah, when he comes home, she tries to include him, but it's still like everything's just a little bit more up in the air. And yep. she's used to functioning without him. She doesn't have to consult him for decision making. Yeah. She just does her own thing. Yeah. Yeah. So we didn't actually find a lot of research on this, which is interesting. Oh, really? Yeah. But there are, are a few things to mention. Okay? okay. Reuniting after long periods of absence creates a state of relational turbulence. Okay. It's bumpy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We talked about that in the empty nest episode. And in that moment or in those moments, uncertainty and stresses there, they can make spouses much more reactive to both positive and negative interactions. So you, you kind of, everybody's a little more on edge. Okay. Oh, that's funny though about the positive. I don't know if I would have guessed that. Yeah. Like I can understand uh, being reactive to the negative interactions. Well, the, the positive can go in the positive direction. It's reactivity yeah, is yeah. not necessarily negative reactivity. Right. Okay. I'm just saying it's more like higher highs and lower lows. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Got so it. if it's been positive when they're apart, it's more likely to be positive together. And if relationally negative apart, it'll be harder to make your time together positive. Okay. Also, when you come back together, you have to remember that the stay-at-home spouse, like we said, has had the sole responsibility for household management. So renegotiating roles and establishing normal routines together has the potential to create tension. This is normal. What if mm -hmm. one spouse has changed significantly, even in some kind of a habit, while the other one's gone? So say you guys always ate at 5.30 and then you had your evening together. That's the way it was. Now this remote work starts and the remote worker arrives home to find that his or her spouse has a nice full evening planned out, and then they eat at 8.30 p.m. That's how they're doing it now. Okay. So the spouse comes back home, the remote spouse. Are they allowed to change that rule back to what they were used to, back to what they liked? Okay. And if you're not home, why should the at-home spouse do it the way you want it? Right. Why not do what works for them? What if you never knew this change had happened? Surprise. Oh, you need you to talk about the mundane things. Yeah. So like all these things kind of come, right? Okay into play at the moment when reuniting is happening. And so this goes back to, we just talked about this not too long ago, but when some conflict happens in the marriage, you're not in the marriage, but it happens from the outside. How much power are you giving that conflict? Right. Like, are you giving it so much power that you think it's a marriage problem? Right. When it's actually an outside problem, which like doesn't really have anything to do with your marriage. It's a feature of a long distance relationship. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be something between you. Right. Just, oh, look at what just happened there. Like this. Okay. That one's going to get us. How are we going to do this? Right. Huh. So returning home, therefore, can be a difficult time for both spouses. Yeah. But it can also be a source of many positives. Maybe this That's forces neat. you to be better communicators. Yeah. You'll be yeah. skilled up above what your peers have as a result of this. Like, is this a growth challenge for both of you guys to make this work? Mm -hmm. I think even like going back to the, to the supper example, right? Like this can be a time where you realize like that you are a couple that can be flexible. Yes. And so rather than eating at 5.30 every night, yeah. it's like, okay, you know what? We're going to eat supper later for a few months because it's actually light out and yeah. whatever, you know? And so it can turn into a positive thing that we're able to be flexible and change. It could be, it could be seen as something to appreciate. Yeah. Right. I'm just trying to find a positive. No, it's good. But this is the thing is you can, you can choose to see it that way. Or you can be like, well, like what, what gives you the right to change something? No, but I was, yeah. Okay. You I agree I mean? with that. So yeah. perception. But I was thinking to, more, well, I was thinking more of rather than look at this as like, oh, something we have to go through. Yeah. It's an advantage because some of us that eat supper at 530 every night, maybe are missing out on right. different things just because we're not flexible. We haven't had to be pushed outside our box and do something different. Right. So it's developing life skills. Yeah. Yes. 
Absolutely. So in all of that though, yeah, there's just this possibility for reactivity. Mm-hmm. So can not we? Not that all of us are reactive. Not mm. at all, for Linda. No. So can we leave that leverage that to the advantage of the marriage? Now this mm-hmm. reuniting thing to make it a positive, like be intentional about the rituals of leaving or coming back together. Okay. Make this a constructive moment. Right. Or moments. Because in those moments, like this does go both ways, right? In those moments, yeah. small acts of kindness or love will have a bigger impact during Ooh. this period. So that can make it easier make for the transition. It can strengthen the marriage. Higher highs. How can I leverage this? We have to do this. Let's make the mm. most of it kind of thing. All good? Oh, well, Caleb, we're not even long distance and I'm excited about this. <laughs> Sorry. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I'll uh, be sure and get you coffee tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Okay, let's wrap this puppy up. Okay. Let's, uh, we want to thank those of you who have become patrons between this recording and our previous one, Chris and Michael and Scott. Mm-hmm. Also, a huge thank you to those of you who continue to make this show possible from month to month. Yes. We appreciate every one of you. And we had a stellar review Did on we? iTunes USA. Ooh, we love this podcast. Five stars by Amdobs4 says, my husband and I have listened to this podcast for a few months now. And we absolutely love it. This was crucial for our marriage. We were at a point of separation a couple of months ago and have three young children. You were a part of saving our marriage. Thank you. We aren't even a religious, but the advice is so well done. And the combo of the pair of them works so well together. Great sound advice. And now we've become happy patrons. Keep doing what you're doing. We love you from Erie, Pennsylvania. Oh, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty touching. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Next week, Caleb. Next week, we're talking about what to do when your parents or social circle don't approve of your spouse. Mm, That could be interesting. That's all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oyf.link slash 158. Find out how you can help other marriages like Am Dobbs 4. Go to oyf.support. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.